and I'm getting old. Oh, oh. Just getting old. Just getting old. Just getting old. Welcome to another episode of This Is Getting Old. I am your host, John, and with me today I have my co-host, Clark. Clark, how's that drink tasting? Uh, well, I just have a uh, have a Sam Adams Boston Lager here. Okay. Um, it's a five percent. It's uh, pretty standard. Um, I feel really patriotic and American right now. Oh. I do love America. No matter what happens in America, it's still America. Well, it's interesting you say that because I'm drinking uh, Heineken tonight, uh, brewed in Holland. America. So. Why do you hate America? Um. Because I was born in America. Uh, okay. Fair enough. <laughs> well, so I just want to say since we have we have more people listening that probably yes. know me now than, than before, um, I did want to just quickly say that I'm going by Clark. You guys know me as John Clark or John Frederick Clark or Frederick or whatever, but Clark is, was my Discord name. Um, Clark in sports, you know, you call you call everybody by their last name. Clark works for me, and you know, John Mulligan is our. Um, or is it is head host the real like what's the title the host? Um, he's our dude. Let's call. And, um, let's call. Us, two Johns. Let's call myself the guide. The guide. <laughs> the enforcer. Like what's that? Some kind of your wrestling name. Oh. Uh, the chairman. I like the chairman. I mean, I just want to say that at the top of the episode here, and so I do have. A, I did pull a random fact today. Do you want to hear it? Uh, sure. Okay, so. Do you know what was the very last letter added to the English alphabet? Ooh, um, it's not Z. It's a hint. It is not Z. Is it a vowel? It is not. Okay. I'm going to go with V. It's actually yours and my favorite letter, the J. Oh, really? Um, yeah, so... the. D- Kind of a follow-up question. Do you know what that what the dot above the J is called? No, I don't. Called a tittle. Okay. B I T T L E. Okay. A tittle. And that's it. I'm not going to even go into it. So anyone who's listening, we like to drop knowledge. We're, we like to have fun, but we want to educate you. So we tease that. Now you go and look it up. Google it. Bing it. Whatever you got to do. Does anybody use Bing? I don't know. Google it and. Let us know how you, how you feel about it. I don't think we've ever really mentioned this, and I'd like probably for the listeners to probably understand. You are from Georgia, and I am from Illinois. How the hell did we meet? Is that a question to me? Because I don't know. It's like magic, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, uh, we had an idea for this show a couple months ago, and we put it out there, and you know, it wasn't clean. It wasn't for family members really it was for the people that liked foul language and liked just nostalgia only and Clark actually came to me and said you know I like what you guys are doing but and he kept giving me little ideas and it helped me kind of push the show into a different direction and it kind of led us to you know what let's go with a family friendly let's go with a clean no language um, for the most part, I use some words, and I understand yeah. that. But honestly, I think this is a much better show, and we're not pigeonholed anymore by just nostalgia. Heck yeah, we're going to talk about some nostalgic things, because I still want to talk about Pokemon next month when the games get released. There we go. But 
I think now with this new format, we can talk about Nicolas Cage movies. We can talk about just the Terminator franchise in general. We've already talked about those, so now we are not pigeonholed by one little topic. We can do and go anywhere we want to. That's right. And it's, it's, it's pretty cool because, again, I think I may have said this before, but when, when the red light comes on, he's like, okay, we're going. Okay, three, two, one, countdown. I'm not going to give you all the back end stuff, but um, it's like this because my natural bend is to, to be a behind the scenes kind of guy, to be honest. Um, and I, I don't know if that comes through or not. Hopefully, if I, when I get this new mic that I'm, I'm going to get, it'll, I'll sound a little bit better. But, um, you know, it's just not, I'm not usually in the front here. So, it's just, it's just, a, but it's, it's such a rush. It's a fun thing to do, and it's, um, I'm, I feel blessed and excited to be here still, and I hope I never lose that, you know. Absolutely, and when people listen to podcasts, myself personally, I think to myself, I would love to be a part of that conversation. I'd love to add my two cents, and that's what a podcast is. So, if you want to be a part of this, seriously, just let Clark and myself know, and we can bring you on the show. All right. So usually. John does a um, a warm up type question, right? Kind of a off topic question, and correct. Um, well, we both we both kind of talked about it, and so I guess I'll kind of lead it. But um, it was brought to my attention that our, our one of our last episodes, um, the Nightmare Before Christmas, we forgot to ask the most burning question of them all, right? Yeah. Um, that question is is the is uh, Tim Burton's The Nightmare Before Christmas a Halloween movie or a Christmas movie? That is a what good question. Um, and you know what? Does it have to be any of those answers? Does it have to be just Halloween or Christmas? No, of course not. So uh, here's my answer to that. Um, after re-watching this movie again recently and talking about it with Sam, who is a big fan of this movie, we've pointed out a lot of plot holes, but really we've pointed out one thing that we have come to a consensus on. Sally is a weird wacko character and I don't know, understand how people can, you know, relate to her because she, like we said, we, she stalked her the entire time. And that's when I kind of realized to myself, Jack is, you know, he's king there. He's the, he's the most popular person. So he's a celebrity in Halloween Town. Yes. So Sally is stalking the celebrity and it kind of reminded me of the movie Misery. Wow. So really... I'm just thinking to myself, Sally eventually will capture and tie him <laughs> down and break his legs. <laughs> Whatever, she's in love with him. That's it, okay? But but to your point, he's, I mean, that's kind of, that's the kind of condoning, you know, Disney saying you can stalk your, your crush, celebrity or not, and you will be with him yeah. eventually. Yeah, I mean, yes, I think it's a Halloween movie. I don't think it's a Christmas movie. I think it reflects on Halloween in the way that it's like, well, we want to become something else. We want to become more. And then they're just like, oh, well, we're not good enough for Christmas. Christmas is its own thing. We're just going to stay Halloween. So I think it's a Halloween movie. I would say just, just going by when, is it, when, did the, you know, when did the, the local stations play? When, did, when do you see it on, on TV? Um, I think right now there's um, – uh, my wife Ashley is watching like a 31 days of Halloween. Was, like, I think we watched Hocus Pocus today, but it came on. It was the first one. It was the, it, the Nightmare Before Christmas came on as part of that, you know, that series. So um, I think it's a it's a Halloween movie um, with with Christmas ties, right? Yeah, I get you. So yeah, I agree. I completely agree with you. And also, it's misery. But again, that's just End my own misery. opinion, right? <laughs> 
All right, well, this week we are going to do something like to call a part one. We are going to do Scary TV Shows Part One. And I think every year we can actually bring four more TV shows because there's always something new being made and there's still always something out there that we haven't talked about yet. Right, and this, um, this week we have um, some really, we have four really good ones. Do you want to inter introduce them all? Yes, sure. So we are going to split them up to a piece and the first one that we're going to be talking about will be, which one do you want to start with? Uh, I guess Are You Afraid of the Dark will okay. work. Alright, so this week we're going to start with Are You Afraid of the Dark? Followed up, we're going to hit Goosebumps, the TV series. Then, we're going to a quick commercial break where you guys can enjoy some nice, sweet, sultry music. Then we're going to jump over to Clark again, and he's going to hit up Tales from the Crypt. And then, I will be finishing this off with Stranger Things. And that, don't act like you've never heard of Stranger Things, because the numbers show that you've all seen it multiple times. And that's why we're going to finish the show off with Stranger Things, because we know it's it hits that 80s nostalgia hole that everybody had wanted for so long, and it, it brought it to you. Okay, so I guess with that, we'll go ahead and, and start uh, discussing Are You Afraid of the Dark? Mm -hmm. So before I get into it, let's, let's, let's paint the picture real quick, right? The best part to me, like, okay, sure, it's got some... As a kid, it's, it's scary, it's cool, it was different at the time, but let's paint the picture of what how it opens, like the, 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 the song, the theme. Um, the opening theme starts with some really creepy music. Um, then it shows a wooden canoe sitting near like the shore of a body of water with, you know, it's really foggy and um, it's kind of got a dark, kind of a blue hue to it, like the lighting. And then an abandoned swing set with like 10 swings creaking and blowing subtly in the wind. Then a shutter bangs open um, and closed. Then you hear like some like in the background some kids laughing, and it's really creepy. They're laughing kind of behind the wind. Then it's followed by a shot of a rocking chair in an attic that pans over to a clown doll. Then a shot of a large you know a large door and then like a keyhole. And finally like you see a match like a hand holding a match. It lights up and it illuminates the words "Are you afraid of the dark?" Uh, then the match descends out of sight and uh, a trail of smoke comes up. Mm -hmm. So that, like, I would never forget that opening. It's etched in my brain for sure. Would you remember that? Yeah, I remember. The, what I'll always uh, I'll remember of it is you see the swing going back and forth and the creaking sound of the swing. And then you hear the... Um, kind of like the music escalate and everything. Yeah, yeah. And then all of a sudden you hear the kids laughing. You're just like, oh, God, that's yeah, chilling. super creepy. <laughs> And so just a little background about the show itself. So it, it premiered in um, 92 and aired until 96, and then it had a second run from 99 to 2000. I would focus, for, for our purposes, on the 92 to 96 run. Okay. I don't know a whole lot about the 99 to 2000 run, but... No, neither you know, do I. Notes here, but um, kind of to bring this full circle, our very first episode was YTV, right? Yes. 1990, the Canadian television network YTV ran the very first episode, um, the pilot called The Tale of the Twisted Claw. So it wasn't even at Nick, it wasn't even to Nickelodeon yet, and YTV ran it two years before Nickelodeon grabbed it and put it on their SNCC lineup, their Saturday Night Nickelodeon lineup. Yeah. Uh, and so kind of brings it full circle, right? It's kind of cool to say like, oh, our yeah. first episode was YTV, and now 
we're coming back to talking about you know some some scary some spooky TV shows and why TV pops back up. That's our good Canadian friends. But so the the show itself revolves around the Midnight Society. It's a group of kids who they it's like they're outside um, around a campfire and they go around and tell each episode is a different story from from a different member of the Midnight Society. And so they and they say some of the similar some similar words right some similar phrasing when they're about to tell their story. They say um, submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. I call this story the Tale of the Vampire Town or whatever you know whatever it is. Yeah. So I think it's it's really really creepy. It's really cool. I remember thinking, man, I'd love to be part of that society. Yeah, it's got a. It kind of has like a cult feel, a little bit. It does have kind of like a cult feel. I know that. Um, a lot of people said at the time, "This is um, this is tales from the crypt for kids." Which I'll bring this up when you bring up tales from the crypt because there's a funny little thing about that for kids in that sake. Yeah, well, I mean, if it's a kids' version of tales from the crypt, it's um, it's not quite as descriptive or. God, you, we'll get to Tales of the Crypt in a minute. Sorry, we'll... I'm no, no, to, you're good. It's like a foreshadowing deal. Here, let's um, go with this. I think Tales, or Are You Afraid of the Dark, in a way, is it's it, it has a lot of vibes of Tales from the Crypt because it was... You start out with the people and they're going to tell you some scary stories or they're going to tell you a scary story. You also kind of got the same idea with... Uh, what, Outer Limits? What's the one I can't think of back in the day that was black and white? The Twilight Zone. Twilight Zone. You know, it's that kind of thing. The little stories that all had a theme to it. Well, also, the, the creator, DJ McHale of uh, Are You Afraid of the Dark, he wrote the line, the whole submitted for approval as a nod to the Twilight Zone. Very Because, cool. you know, Rod, the creator, Rod uh, Serling, would, after introducing the episode, say, submitted for your approval. So it's kind of, kind of like a, you know, because really, if you look at, if you, if you watch Are You Afraid of the Dark, it's a little more campy. A, little, a lot lighter than a lot of um, horror shows or, you know, just Twilight Zone or Tales from the Crypt. Uh, again, it's for kids. Uh, but it, it scarred me as a kid. It scarred me. I remember being super creeped out. And I did, you know, we gotta, we're going to have to go through these pretty quickly, so I'm not going to spend a whole lot more time on um, Are You Afraid of the Dark? But I did want to go through my top five episodes because I, I really loved it. Okay. Uh, and so I'm going to go from um, five to number one real quick. Number five is the uh, tale of the 13th floor. Basically, these kids play on the 13th floor, and then they realize that uh, the, the company that's on the 13th floor may not be from this world. But it's, the build-up to it is really, really cool. Ooh, um, kind of like, inter- like a twist ending. Interdimensional, kind of, from not from this world, or aliens? Perhaps. We'll, we'll leave that for the, for the okay. listeners. All right, so the number four is the tale of laughing in the dark. Um, and let me go back. Number five was told by the character Betty Ann. So, again, they go around. Um, and that was season two, 1993. Number four, season one, 1992, the story is also told by Betty Ann. So, apparently, I like Betty Ann's stories. Um, <laughs> but it's like a, a, a guy decides to prove that there's a, there's a fun house. That he, he decides to prove that it's not haunted, and he steals the nose from, like, the creepy clown. And... Um, and then uh, Zebo is the name of the clown, and he decides to pay our friend Josh a visit. Um, that's number four. Number three, the tale of the frozen ghost. Um, this one you won't find on anybody's list but mine, because that one creeped me the crap out. Um, 
what I remembered, I went back and to, to watch it uh, actually today, and I remembered, I remembered like a, a girl was in there in like a house, and she looks out of her window and sees this kid, this this dead like ghost kid out on her lawn. And he's like, I'm cold, <laughs> and like just that like creeps me out when I was a kid. Because um, again, this is this one was 1993, season two, um, and a, a girl girl named Kristen told this one, um, but. Melissa Joan Hart actually is a guest star in that episode. So um, the next is, was number two, The Tale of the Dollmaker. This one haunts my nightmares. Um, so I'll just read real quick. It says, Melissa discovers that a mysterious dollhouse may be responsible for the disappearance of her best friend, Susan. And just so you know, like she goes, she eventually goes to like the you know, Susan's uh, the, the attic and finds a dollhouse and actually sees her in the doll. She, she's become a doll. I don't want to, you know, spoil it too too much, but um, it's it's pretty creepy. And then and that one's told by Betty Ann also. So I have three Betty Ann's on here. And then my very favorite number one, the tale of the super specs. That's season one, 1992, told by Gary, who's kind of the leader of the Midnight Society. Mm-hmm. And so basically, there's a there's a, a boy a boy and a girl. Um, the boy is a prankster. The girl thinks he's um, thinks he's immature, but they go to a uh, like a magic a magic. Uh, the magic store, and um, uh, they, they get these glasses, right? These glasses, and, and just the glasses basically you put them on, and you can see um, like these black, these black covered like um, figures. And I'm not gonna go too much into it because I really want you to see. It. And if you have any questions, post it on the on the website, and we'll we'll discuss there. But you have a, a, a crazy man named named Sardo. He says it's Sardo, not Sardo. You'll see. You'll you'll see when you see, when you watch it. Okay. Um, but it's super creepy because as a kid I started thinking basically you put the you put the glasses on you can see another dimension. Um, but it, in the end there's a twist ending where um, the other dimension has been seeing us too and had been creeped out. So and then it really ends like really creepy. This is one of the, most of the most of the episodes end kind of again they're kind of campy. They end with like a bow at the end like okay. Here's a problem. It was solved. It was done. It was creepy. And then the the, the, the heroes win. And, and the tale of the super specs, the heroes don't win. Just telling you. So, and then I do have an honorable mention, which I think you can actually talk some about, John. Um, the tale of the dead men's float. I don't remember. I'm going to be honest with you. I don't remember a whole lot about it. I remember the show, and I remember you, you talking about it, and it's, you know, popping in my head, and I'm remembering the episodes. But last time I watched the show was 1996. So it's been so long since I've seen the show. And the one that will always stick in my head, because I actually didn't finish the episode. I had to go home when I was watching the episode. And it's the episode where there's like they go to this school, and they're, they're, it's a young couple, I think, and they're swimming in the pool and everything like that. And also underneath the pool, like the tiles or something is moving underneath the t- tiles and everything like that. And you're just like, oh my gosh, what is that? And then you see someone get dragged underneath. And you're like, oh my gosh! And I remember just a little bit more of the episode, but then I had to leave, so I didn't get to finish it. But, like, that forever stayed in my head, and I actually was afraid to go swimming for a little bit after that show. Yeah, um, that that is on, if you just Google, like, top ten or top five Are You, Are you Afraid of the Dark episodes, um, that's on a lot of people's. That's number one for a lot of people, but it's definitely on their top five. The, the Tale of the Dead Man's Float, um, season five, 1995. So just to comment on your uh, the the spectacles episode with the glasses, it reminds me a lot of 
I think it's called They Live by Roddy with Roddy Roddy Piper, and he puts on a pair of sunglasses, and the one scene that I remember from the movie is when he walks into a bank with a shotgun. He puts on the glasses, and he sees, like, the creatures that they are really hiding in broad daylight amongst everybody else. And then he says the classic quote, I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. <laughs> yeah. It reminds me so much of that. So that's that's what reminded me when you, as soon as you brought up the glasses and everything. We're going to step next into the Goosebumps TV series. And why I'm emphasizing the TV series is we are not going to be talking about the books. We'll reference some of the books just because of the adaptations they use for the TV show. But I want to save the books for like a young... Uh, children's novel episode or something like that we can get into. R.L. Stein is a, is a um, it looks like he has no emotions. I've never, I don't remember seeing him talk, but I'm just looking at the picture of him, he's just, he's just sitting there like, hey, I'm here. Well, let me bring that to this. Did you watch the Goosebumps movie that came out two years ago? That the Jack Black one? The Jack Black one. I, I did not. It's on my list. I haven't seen it. I know that Jack Black doesn't look like R.L. Stein, but what he does with his facial expressions the entire movie makes you realize he's playing R.L. Stein. There's no emotion and just pure, like, anger on his face the entire movie. It's so great. Love Jack Black. I love Jack Black. But let's go here. So the Goosebumps, kids' novels that like to take the horror element. And there's no, I mean, there's a little bit of sci-fi, but it's mostly horror element for kids, which is kind of an interesting little thing. And when I mean kids, I mean pre-teens, like your, you know, 11, 12, 13 year olds is where mostly the book is aimed for. However, I read these books when I was like 8, 9, 10 years old. Yeah, and I, know, I remember reading the books in um, fourth grade, we had a, we had a, uh, a, a class where like once, once uh, every couple weeks we had, I mean, a couple months, it was called Drop Everything and Read, mm -hmm. it's like D-E-A-R. Like, we, everyone was reading Goosebumps books. The show began airing in October 27th of 1995, and it went to the 16th of November 1998. So it lasted just over three years. Um, each episode was no more than about 24 minutes on regular, but they actually had specials, which they also turned into uh, VHS releases that lasted about 48 minutes. A total of 74 episodes over that three-year span, which led to four seasons of TV shows. We actually had, or I'm going to reference the same thing you referenced, uh, YTV in Canada was what aired up north to our brethren. And then we also had Fox Kids is where it aired. And I remember coming home and being able to just turn on the TV, and Fox Kids, I had X-Men the TV series, and then Digimon was not right around that time, Monster Rancher, and then I always got to watch Goosebumps. And it was always cool to see a different interpretation to the books that I had been reading. One of the episodes that I distinctly remember and I will always remember, because I actually got to watch this on TV during the Halloween month, was The Haunted Mask. Do you remember The Haunted Mask book? I do remember the book, yes. So. Did you ever watch the TV episode of that? 
unfortunately, I'm going to learn a whole lot during this segment because I never, I, I read a lot of the books. I never really saw the, the, the shows. I didn't even see the Jack Black, um, you know, the Jack Black, the, the most recent one. Yeah, well, the the episode, I mean, the it's a kid who kind of was bullied and picked on and he happened to just run into a uh, mask store where it has all the masks and everything like that and he just happens to stumble upon a wall of masks that he is told they are not meant to be worn. They're, you know, they're haunted, basically. And whenever he puts the mask on, it actually adheres to his face and creates the monster that he is becoming. Wow. Yeah, it's kind of creepy, and it, it reminds me a lot of the Jim Carrey mask because he's not able to take it off, and he becomes this creature. Does it remind you of The Legend of Zelda's Majora's Mask? All right, so I've mentioned this before, but I'll probably yell at for this anyways. I have not played a single Zelda game. You don't get yelled at, you'll just be like, oh, come on, man. <laughs> I never had an N64. I only played my buddies, and when I went there to go play it, all I played was, like, Smash. I never really got around to playing it. And then by the time that it had... I'm a person who likes to jump in from the beginning, so if I can find the first one, I'll, I'll play them all. The same thing with Final Fantasy. I just couldn't... It's like, oh, Final Fantasy XIII's out. Do you want to play it? I'm like, I haven't played the first one, so why would I play thirteen? <laughs> Not knowing that it's its own individual stories. The one thing that I will uh, mention is that these VHSs that they did come out with, they did bring out on DVD in 2004. Okay. So they have had actual individual releases, uh, and they don't just have one episode they act, or one movie. They actually contain multiple episodes uh, or two episodes per disc. So you're not like with the VHS having to stick with just one thing. You can actually have the option to see different ones. And some of the options that they actually gave you, I'm not going to lie, they're a little weird. Um, some of the DVD tile, uh, titles were uh, The Haunted Mask 2 with Night of the Living Dummy 3 and then uh, Welcome to Dead House. It's a weird combination that you would put all together. Right. You also have uh, It Came From Beneath the Sink, Night of the Living Dummy, and Say Cheese and Die. I guess if you want to just have one episode and you want to then watch a little bit of a different vibe or a different story, you can do that and follow that up with each other. But for me, again, I'm a chronological person, so if I'm going to watch Night of the Living Dummy, I also want to watch two, three, and maybe uh, Slappy Returns. How many, there was, so there, there were four. I think there was four. Slappy Returns was the one that I remember. Or I'm sorry, not Slappy Returns. Uh, Night of Living Dummy Two is the one that I remember the most. I don't know. It's just this. There was something about this show that it was. It was kind of nice to see a retelling of the books that I did appreciate. But I'm telling you right now, Clark, you want people to watch Are You Afraid of the Dark? Do not go back and watch this show. Don't do it. No. Um, they had released all the Goosebumps episodes on Netflix a couple years ago. So I played uh, the episode, The Girl Who Cried Monster, which is, you know, The Girl Who Cried Wolf. And when I played the episode, it's literally just this probably 12-year-old girl being an absolute to her younger brother. And she's like, oh, you don't want to go there because the monster's going to eat you and she emphasizes every word awfully like she was the girl that tried so hard to get into the school play and didn't 
and then her mom got her an audition for the Goosebump TV show, and now she's a absolute <laughs> Like, that's who she is. And that's how all of these movies are. The, the acting is atrocious. It's all kid actors that, like I said, probably couldn't even get casted in the school play. Well, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but it seems like, and again, my, most of my knowledge comes from the books, which we'll get into another episode, um, which is fine. It's a tease for another episode, but um, the uh, the careful what you wish for book, which I, I know you said was never made into a a movie or to a, a TV show, um, an episode. Uh, it was about a girl Found who it. was bullied. So Found it, it. Seems you know, it seems like some of his themes were this person was bullied, and then this is what happens after. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Uh, Be Careful What You Wish For is an episode. I finally found it. It is an episode. Yeah, it's from 1997, January 6th. Uh, sick of being bullied and being a total klutz, Samantha is granted three wishes after helping a strange lady in a black find her way home. But Samantha discovers that sh- the wishes granted to her have a nasty way of backfiring. Does that not remind you of the monkey's paw? Yeah, it reminds me of that, and it reminds me of Aladdin, right? Any Anytime there's a genie involved or, like, wishes involved, you're, like, it can go wrong. You can say something just a little bit wrong, and your wish is going to be taken, like, super literal. Um, the, the idea is not, the idea of this isn't, like, so unique that it's, you know, earth-shattering or whatever, but it was a, the girl was bullied, so that's kind of my point was that there were, you, you mentioned one that you watched where the uh, the main character was bullied, and it just seems like that was, it seemed like a theme for R.L. Stein. Mm-hmm. Um, and then in the end, this, that one, the one I'm talking about, had a twist ending where the uh, the hero didn't really win either. So she was bullied, she rises up, and then... Which, um, does that not remind you of Tales of the Crypt? Of course it does. <laughs> Again, with the same idea of uh, Twilight Zone, it's, it's if you act like a douchebag, you're going to get your comeuppance. Well, so um, the what, the last thing that I kind of had on this was we we talked off air um, about uh, one day at Horrorland. Yes, um, and I do believe because I do remember reading that, and at the end I, I remember reading it as a kid and being like, "What?" Because like the um, in the end, like the bad guys in, in the theme park were ended up being creatures, not human, and it was weird because like you pinched them and they deflated, and that was kind of like the ending. I think one followed him home, so there's like a maybe there's more to it, but you know that's how it ended, but. Yeah. What did you tell me that the that the episode was actually they're humans? Yeah, it's a uh, guy takes off the mask of the monster that you've been chasing them throughout this park the entire time, and it's like, oh, I hope you enjoyed your time. You know, please come again to Horrorland, and it you realize the twist ending is they've been humans this entire time. Did you not see that coming a little bit? It, I don't know. <laughs> there's there's obviously different interpretations to different stuff because this is just rip-offs of like we said twilight zone tales of the crypt just old horror stories really i remember the blob episode uh, blob book the blob that ate everybody i'm like that's taken directly from steve mcqueen's movie the blob I wonder how he could do that he just packaged it as oh this is a kid's book it's different gotta be i i, I don't know how he does it all right well we will take this moment to go into a commercial break
And we are back from the break. All right, so our third TV show, our, our third spooky TV show is Tales from the Crypt. Ooh, uh, boys and ghouls. Tales of the Crypt, the opening sequence is kind of similar to Are You Afraid of the Dark, where it has like this eerie blue, black glow, like outside of this mansion, this really haunted looking mansion, um, and this fog. You know, you go through like an iron rod fence, and you go through a that big old creepy mansion. You go like kind of through a few rooms, then through like a hidden passageway that takes you down some epic gothic spiral concrete stairs. Um, you, then you're down into the crypt, right? Tales from the crypt. Haha, <laughs> you're yes. in the crypt. There, there are like coffins and candles and spider webs, and finally you center on one coffin, um, and the crypt keeper, his dead corpse rises up and he's like, ah! <laughs> and then it says, um, "Tales from the crypt." You know, it's creepy. Tales from the crypt. Do you know who produced the theme song? Oh, I don't. Uh, you do. Oh, you do. You do. It's Mr. Jack Skellington himself. Oh, was it really? Danny Elfman. Danny Elfman, wow. Yep. Okay, cool. This sort of brings everything's full circle here. I know you're acting surprised. You probably no, knew No, actually, I did not know that. I did not know it was Elfman, because, uh, I mean, the, he's the guy that brought you Simpsons, Batman, the animated series, and the movies. I mean, Danny Elfman's... Uh, he's huge. He's a thug. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so Keeping anyway, so Tales from the Crypt, you know, it's a TV series, it's a horror anthology television series that ran from 89 to 96, and it's really based on um, comics from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. Um, there are a lot of different, I mean, if you remember, there's a lot of different spinoffs and, and uh, movies that they tried. I mean, there was like Bordello of Blood, and that was in uh, like 96, and that was, it was a film, and there was a uh, Tales from the Crypt Presents Ritual in 2002, um, but for our conversation... We're going to focus on the 1989 to 1996 TV series, right? Okay. Anyway, so tell us from the crib. I was um, pretty young when, it, you know, 89, I was born in 84, you know, I was a kid. So when I did see it, it was at a friend's house, and we probably shouldn't have been watching it. No. Uh, <laughs> so uh, but it even was called HBO's Tells from the Crib. And HBO was like, we weren't, we weren't poor, we just, we weren't... Um, blessed with able you know the ability to afford hbo when i was a kid yes yeah, and here. so it's a premium it's a premium channel you gotta pay for it mm-hmm. and you know back then it was kind of a new kind of a new thing really paying for extra for a, um, a premium channel i you know as a kid there, there are a few episodes that I, I that i just distinctly remember and one i really want to get into here um in a little bit but you can do that you can do the crypt keepers laugh right not really. Did, did I hear you? I thought I heard you do I, that earlier. I, I did the the boys and ghouls. Yeah. I mean, nobody can do nobody can do John Kazir's voice the way he can. Right. So, well, what was really funny is if you watch the show, like, okay, so you're watching this really creepy, sh- like, the show itself, the actual episodes, but before and after each episode, you have to keep telling a little story, talking about you know whatever whatever is about to happen or whatever happened or whatever, and he's funny kind of like looking back at it now it's kind of funny listening to him it's this creepy dead corpse and he's uh he tells some some funny stories but they're also really dark um but i did want to kind of read did you, you know how many guest stars were in tales from the crypt oh i'm guessing a ton especially oh, with the, the with the with the run that it had so just to name a few 
had Patricia Arquette, Dan Aykroyd, Hank Azaria, Sandra Bullock, Daniel Craig, Benicio Del Toro, um, Kurt Douglas, Whoopi Goldberg, Tom Hanks, John Lithgow, Meatloaf. And funny about Meatloaf, Meatloaf's episode, he is kind of like in um, a fight club. He, he kind of gets slashed up. Um, mm-hmm. Pretty funny. Uh, but then you also have Bill Paxton, Don Rickles, Martin Sheen, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, Adam West, John Stamos, Christopher Reeve, Ben Stein, Brad Pitt, Billy Zane. Adam West was in an episode? Yeah, you know that? Oh, no, because now i got to go look it up. And then they, had, they also like switched off some pretty famous directors. Michael J. Fox directed some. Um, Arnold Schwarzenegger did. Uh, Tom Hanks. <clears throat> Kyle MacLachlan. Um, and on and on. I mean, Robert Zemeckis had a... Um, a part in there. I think he just he was more of a contributor. Um, but man, look, talk about like the you, you watch an episode and Whoopi Goldberg is like, you know what I mean? Like you just you see some really oh, yeah. famous people. But it was a really good, really good, really good uh, creepy series. I do want to go into uh, really quickly one of my favorite episodes, and this is kind of a pattern with me. Is if it's one of my favorite episodes, and I watched it when I was a kid, it probably disturbed the crap out of me. Okay, so my most memorable episode, which disturbed the crap out of me when I was a kid, is from season one um, called Collection Completed. And so if you're not familiar with that one, the little like blurb, if you go to like, IMDb, it says, um, After 47 years of work as a general sales manager, Jonas is forced into a mandatory retirement. Along these years, his lonely wife, Anita, has collected many pets, and Jonas is unable to relax with all these animals at home. So he he basically she makes him pick up a hobby. So you need to get a hobby. Um, so it aired in 1989, and um, again I was five or six when that you know at that that time, and um, I had to be 10 or 13, somewhere between 10 and 13 when I actually saw it. But it was it was late at night; it wasn't supposed to be on, and so it really creeped me out. So going back as an adult watching it, you know, a few years ago, I was like, oh my god, it's still creepy, still really mm-hmm. creepy. He's retired. He greets his wife and. She has like a house full of stray animals, um, but she she loves them like like they're like they're her kids, and, um, and even though he's come home to spend time with her, you know they should be spending their golden years together. She still doesn't stop collecting cats and dogs and other types of stray animals. So anyway, she she these are her kids. She loves them so much. So the day after he retires is kind of where we begin the story, and um, at breakfast. She prepares this steak, and Jonas is getting excited because he's been rushing out the door every day, right, mm-hmm. grabbing his food and like, going to work. Um, but he's quickly disappointed when she hands the steak to her newly acquired stray dog. Oh, my God. Um, <laughs> and so it, 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 it's basically building the, the case that his, his Jonas's expectations aren't what, what, what he thought aren't, aren't, isn't going to happen. Yeah. Um, so you know, quickly becomes clear that the couple, they don't know how to live with each other. Um, and you know, Nita suggests uh, Jonas to pick up a hobby. And, you know, unfortunately, many years of him working, he's been grinding away. Like he doesn't really have a lot of personable skills, so he didn't have a lot of friends either. You know, so um, anyway, he just gets kind of depressed with Anita's affection for the animals, and they're outweighing you know his his time and his affection. So mm-hmm. um, Jonas starts a hobby in the basement, and that's okay with Anita. She seems to not mind that he's not around all day. He's basically like at work again. She can have her animals with her. And um, she uh, starts noticing some of her animals are, you know, are missing. She has, she has like 40, 50 animals. So like slowly one by one, they start missing. So she asks, um, she asks him, like, have you seen my dog? He's like, no, dear. I think I heard him out back. 
And then when she goes out back, her favorite dog, her bulldog, uh, she runs out there and finds the dog just, like, standing there staring at her. And she's wondering, like, okay, why doesn't he, why does, why is he not coming to her? Why is he not moving? Why is he not blinking? Um, so Jonas then comes out with, like, a remote control, like a, like a car remote control with, like, two sticks. And, like, he's the, like the eyes start blinking like Christmas tree lights. Oh. So, like, he's, he has stuffed this dog, put these Christmas tree lights in his eyes, right? Uh, and, uh, it's okay, that creeped me out. But, like, this is building up to this, like, crescendo, this big, like, you know, she goes running through the basement and finds, like, goes downstairs and finds a collection of all of her cats, squirrels, <laughs> dogs, birds. It's chipmunks all stuffed and mounted. Um, and then, like, her favorite animal is this cat, right? And, like, she's been, she's, she, then she realizes, I don't know where my cat is. But she knows, she also knows she doesn't, she doesn't see the cat mounted down there anywhere. So she's like, where is, whatever, you know, I don't remember the cat's name. Where's, where's yeah. that cat? And he's like, oh, I got big plans for that cat. And he, like, turns around and like, grabs it from this cage and is, like, holding it and petting it. And, like, she turns around and gets this hammer and, like, whacks him in the head. And then it kind of fades to black. And then the next scene is, like, them watching TV, but this, the camera shows, um, like, them from behind, right? Mm-hmm. Show, them watching the TV. And then, like, you hear, like, a knock on the door, like a doorbell ring or something. And so she gets up and opens the door. And she's like, uh, it's Roy, his, um, uh, Jonas's friend. It's like, hey, just wondering how Jonas is. And, like, the camera pans to Jonas, who has clearly now been stuffed himself. <laughs> uh, he's been, she murders her husband, stuffs him, and, um, like, the cat was, like, the cat's, like, curled up on him or something. Yeah. The lip cat is curled up on him. So as a kid, that disturbed the crap out of me. Um, I'm not sure that would ever show up on anyone's best of list, but to me, that shocked the crap out of me and disturbed me. But that right there is kind of like an example of what happens in, in these episodes. Some of them are, you can like laugh at them now because they're kind of funny, um, but they are pretty pretty creepy. See, that's the difference between like Twilight Zone and this show was Twilight Zone was if you become a, if you're a douchebag, you're going to get your comeuppance. It's karma. <laughs> like if you, that's just how the show is. Whereas <laughs> Tales of the Crypt, it's literally. It doesn't matter if you're on our show, you're getting screwed over some way. Yeah, that's right. that's how the show always goes. So, and once you just get over that, the horror element, you kind of just appreciate it and just see what where it takes you. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. There's no. There's usually there's not. You can find like a lesson in it, right? Um, but it's all. It's usually a little too creepy to really find a good. You're like, oh, oh, I need to go shower after watching that. Um, but I did want to say one last thing, and then I'll, I know you have something cool you want to say. Yep. Um, but there was a uh, a Christmas album. Okay. In 1994, they released a Christmas album called um, Have Yourself a Scary Little Christmas. And I'll just read a couple of the tracks to you. Um, uh, Deck the Halls with Parts of Charlie. Oh, God. Uh, we Wish You'd Bury the Misses. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Twas the Fright Before Christmas. Okay. Um, Twelve days of Christmas. Okay. Um, Revenge of the Crypt Keeper, and then, you know, have yourself a scary little Christmas. Okay. The first yeah. two were, bar none, the best titles. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thought you liked that. Yeah, like th- those are pretty That's cool. The common part of the show. Well, then it looks like you don't know about the weird tie-in I got for you about this Let's show. Do it. Um, Excited. Are you familiar that there was an animated series? I maybe now that you say it, I don't. I don't. What in my notes here? Yeah, uh, from uh, I think it was nineteen ninety four. 
uh, or the, I'm sorry, the series was canceled in 1994, so one from 92 to 94, and uh, it brought John Kazir as the voice and everything, and it was a more child-friendlier version uh, <laughs> for kids, and uh, it was on YTV, and I believe in the U.S. it was on ABC. YTV keeps coming up. I need to, we need to give Noob a good phone call and let him know. Exactly. He's got so much more to watch now. But the, <laughs> the episodes that, two episodes that I will always remember in my brain because they are just um, copies of former stuff we've talked about. I'm sure if I just say the titles, you'll recognize it. The Gorilla's Paw, which is just the story of the monkey's paw where the monkey has four uh, fingers and you get the wishes on the fingers. Okay. But obviously, there with all wishes, there's always a twist, which yes. is your Tales from the Crypt kind of vibe to it. And then the other one that I'll always remember is called Dead Men Don't Jump. Can you <laughs> guess what that's referenced to? <laughs> oh my gosh. So it's referenced to the 1992 movie White Men Can't Jump, starring uh, Woody Harrelson and Wesley Snipes. Basically, the idea is uh, the old witch, the Crypt Keeper, and the Vault Keeper return, where they compete to decide to who tells today's story. When the old witch wins, uh, thanks to her magic, she tells the tale of a boy who challenges a monster to a basketball game that could mean the end of his life if he loses. <laughs> so, I remember that episode vaguely. But just, I remember, as soon as I read the title, I'm like, oh, that's right. I guess it's my turn, and we're going to turn to the show that I'm sure all of you have seen, and if you haven't, um, it's because you just have a problem with nostalgia, I guess. Um, the show is called Stranger Things. Um, Never heard of it. Really? Yeah, right. <laughs> well, uh, Stranger Things is a Netflix original TV series. Uh, set in the fictional town of Hawkins, Indiana, in the 1980s, the first season focuses on the investigation into a disappearance of a young boy amid supernatural events occurring around the town, including the appearance of a girl with psychokinetic abilities who helps the missing boy's friends in their own search. Uh, there is something about this show that I absolutely adore. I don't know if it's the nostalgia of it, because I was born in 1990, so obviously I didn't grow up in the 80s to know the Dungeons and Dragons or anything like that that they referenced in the show, but there was something like, just a warm vibe of being able to, it felt like I was watching E.T. at times, it felt like I was watching, like, Goonies at times, it just felt like watch movies that I used to kind of grow up watching. You know, I agree, there's something about it that, and, and I was born in the like early to mid '80s, but I don't you know you don't remember really until you're five or six. So I, my first memory is more like mid '90s. So yeah, so I, I agree. There's something about it that is super charming. Yeah, and I mean they they were definitely inspired by the uh, the works of Steven Spielberg with E.T., uh, John Carpenter, Stephen King, uh, amongst other like several films, anime, video games, especially season two. Where uh, what's the game that they play in season two to start the first episode? Do you remember? Oh man, I do not. Dragon's Lair. But, alright, so this is actually something that I, I, when I watch this show, the monster, when they finally introduce it, it's got such a horror vibe to it. It's so cool because we're not seeing it from uh, the perspective of adults like in the movie Thing. 
or we're not seeing it like we're, we're watching it literally from the perspective of these kids and that's what's really kind of cool it kind of like takes you back to you hanging out with your friends and when you were kids and everything like that and what kind of mindset would you be in in a scenario where your friend goes missing and you no one else is able to do anything about it so what are you going to do to help the situation they're just yeah. something about the show that the Duffer brothers who are the directors just brought every element to this show that they brought the, yeah. they brought the 80s bullies into play they brought the sweet innocent guy who kind of into the girl but you know is too shy and bashful they brought him into play there's just so much about this show that I just adore I think the beauty similar to me and I know you'll get into it more but like I the character arcs. Every character has a, a clear arc. Oh yeah. It's not just like okay, we're gonna forget about some of these minor characters. Most of most all the characters have some kind of like here was here's their quest. They had they're all on some kind of a path. Mm-hmm. And it was, it's cool because then um, it is kind of funny. In season one, you had the scientists, and that's really all we know them as is the scientists. And if there's the shady villain, that's not the monster. It's obviously the scientist but in season two they bring in uh paul reisner mm-hmm. to basically be well we're not all bad guys i can help you out and anytime i see him in the show it's like it's like listen you worked for the bad guys it is really hard to sympathize your character to be right. like the guy who's helping everybody out by the way, I heard they're rebooting Mad About You. Just thought I'd throw that out there. Yes, I heard about that as well. I have no comment to that, actually. Take it out if you want. I just No, you know. it's fine. <laughs> um, the one thing that I honestly, from this show, who would you say is your favorite character? Oh, um, my favorite character is clearly um, David Harbour's character. Okay. I, I think they, that character arc, from one to two... Uh, you know, it, it almost seems like in the beginning it's like, okay, there's, there's this lazy, you know, cop. Yeah. Right. And then by the end, he, he like you're cheering for him, and he becomes his father figure. Especially if you want to jump to two, I'm not sure. Oh yeah, yeah. Now, but, you know, he. We're covering um, everything, so go go ahead okay, and talk about it. Gotcha. Yeah, I mean everything from um, at the you know, he he's like a to me he's, he's again he has the best character arc, he has the best story. Um, and he's he's my favorite. Yeah. Um, what's kind of cool is he actually is going to be playing the next Hellboy. Oh, really? Yeah. I've seen some concept <laughs> art, and uh, I think a poster was just recently released. Um, it looks pretty awesome. I'm really looking forward to this. I mean, I know everyone loves the original uh, with uh, Ron Perlman, but, God, there's something about... Uh, this new look that I'm really enjoying. So who is your favorite? So, as the character in the show, and I'm going to do actor. Actor purely because his name is so metal. Finn Wolfhard is the coolest <laughs> name I have ever heard. And this boy, I hope he you know really does something later uh, with movies and TV <laughs> shows. I, I really hope so, because that's such a metal name. But that's such a cool name, yeah. As a character, I'm gonna go with Steve, Steve Harrington. Yeah. Um, 
Yeah, in the beginning, he was the pretty boy boyfriend of, of Nancy. And, you know, he was that guy that you hated because he was obviously kind of the foil to Jonathan in the show. But all of a sudden, there was just something about his character, the way he, he changed, because he, he saw the monster for the first time and realized, really, that fighting against this other guy who's into his girlfriend isn't the main focus. It's literally surviving this monster, and you see a complete character change. And then when you get to season two, he becomes just such a likable character to the point that they bring in this new bully who uh, is... He's the... Red Ranger from the new Power Ranger movie, he's the new villain. Like, there's nothing good about this guy whatsoever, but he's he's easily the villain. And to see Steve kind of step up and protect all the kids against this awful human being who reminds me of a sex pest in many ways and probably yeah. will get voted as a Supreme Court judge at one point in time in the future. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah honestly uh, there's just something more about this character and they're still building him even the last episode of the show and I don't want to talk anymore about the show and spoil more stuff but there's so much more that he, I'm the, the teaser for season 3 when that comes out next year is just him at a mall and there's something so 80's about a mall <laughs> yeah I agree that I, I avoid malls at, at this point in my life because we're getting old. Um, so you got to put the name of the podcast in there. See how smart that was? Let me just say one final thing about this show that, honestly, I think is kind of cool. Are you familiar with Dark Horse Comics? Dark Horse Comics. I am not familiar with Dark Horse Comics. So Dark Horse Comics, they are they're the Dark Horse. They're the, the, the people in the background that... Um, they're not the big two of Marvel or DC, but they do come out with some pretty cool uh, comics. They actually did Star Wars for a very long time. Um, they also did Transformer comics, G.I. Joe comics. Let me just make sure. I don't want to just say that. And... Okay, so here you go. Uh, Dark, uh, Dark Horse Comics actually made like Hellboy, Sin City, uh, Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Madman. Yeah, he, they did like Star Wars, um, Predator, RoboCop, like a bunch of weird licensed stuff. Um, especially when like aliens became into play, the aliens like put them, uh, like merged them out to like Batman comics so you can do like alien versus uh, Batman. It, it's that kind of stuff. It's pretty cool. That's who Dark Horse Comics is. And Dark Horse announced a partnership with Netflix for a multi-year publishing line of stories set in the Stranger Things world. Uh, the first title will be a four-issue miniseries written by Jody Hauser. Um, the story will be set between the events of Season 1 and showing Will's uh, perspective through the time in the Upside Down world. Uh, the hey. first, and the first issue of the miniseries was released September 26th of this year. Oh, so it was released already. So it's released already. I'm actually going to see if I can maybe get it because uh, I'm intrigued. So it's a okay. So it is. It's a mini series. Yeah. So mini series means like uh, roughly like four to six uh, issues, uh, a short run. It doesn't mean like it could last a year or anything. Like that. It's usually uh, if you do 
one every month or so like that, it'll only last about six months. If you do, you know, something like that, that's a mini series. September twenty, I can, I'll find that. I mean, I'll get it and I'll read it. If you use Comicsology, which I think is uh, now through Amazon Prime, you can actually find this comic book. So if you use Comicsology on your phone, you'd be able to have it digitally. Pretty cool. So. I guess we are leading to this point in the show, and it, for the people that listen to this show, I think you know what's going to happen next. Clark, what's been grinding your gears, man? Mine is pretty simple. It's going to be really quick and really superficial. Okay. Um, so, you know, grinds my gears. Fortnite grinds my gears. <laughs> Fortnite. I may have mentioned it before, but um, and, and no, don't get me wrong. Fortnite is, I think it's a really cool game. I think it looks nice. I think it's. It's probably super fun. I played it once, and it was okay. Um, I think that their storytelling, which there is no real story, but their landscape changes, and it's like a story in itself. Mm-hmm. So, that I mean, that's pretty cool, pretty genius, I think. Um, and I think if I really got to play it, I'd like it. But the problem is I don't have time for Fortnite. I have time to learn a new game. The people who play it are really good at it now. have been playing it for months and months and months. And just to be honest with you, Fortnite is a gateway drug. Next thing you know, you'll be doing a line of yay off of a truck stop bathroom floor. Start with Fortnite, and then next thing you know, you're doing drugs. So kids, don't do Fortnite. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I guess that leads into my grinding gears. What's grinding your gears, man? Yeah. Um, I'm going to stick with your video games logic here. So I was asked today if I was going to get the new Mario Party game that came out. And with us trying to grow the podcast and with us uh, trying to build a social media presence, on top of my work, I've been working almost 53 hours a week the last couple of weeks. And then with Liam, who uh, my son, who is just absolutely insane right now, has... Mm-hmm the energy to wake up at 7 o'clock and not go to bed till 8 o'clock uh, at night. Wow. Uh, he's just, you know, ball, ball full of energy right now. So I just don't have time to play Mario Party. And it kind of sucks. But at the same time, I also want people to realize that when I saw that Red Dead Redemption was going to be released in October earlier this year, I put money aside long ago to get this. So I understand that new games are being released around this timetable, but nothing's going to distract me from getting Red Dead Redemption at this point. So that grinds your gears? Kind of, yeah. I Don't keep releasing games that I kind of want around games that I really, really, really want. <laughs> it, same thing happened, uh, I think it was back in 2013, when uh, I could be totally wrong, so do not be mad at me about this. Uh, I think in 2013, between October and November, uh, Pokemon X and Y came out, Assassin's Creed Black Sale came out, or Black Flag came out, then you also had Grand Theft Auto V came out, and I think something else right around that time period. And I'm like, seriously, what, what do you want me to do? I obviously got to play yeah. Oh my god. So you hear that Nintendo, PlayStation, Xbox... All of, well, not Xbox. No one plays Xbox anymore. Um, PlayStation, Nintendo, all of you guys, get your crap together. Come on. Just at least make it like a month apart, not within like 
three weeks of each other, so I'm dying and I don't know what to play and I just want to finish something. The movie, the movie companies have it figured out. Just take a lesson from them. Yeah. Release never release ever in certain time. Yeah. Never release around a Marvel release. Well, cool, man. <laughs> so for everybody out there that has been listening to us recently, I appreciate you so much. For all the new listeners, um, welcome to the show. I'm so glad that we have you here, and hopefully you can give us some feedback to help improve the show, but also give us some ideas to do the sh- do on the show, and maybe you would like to be on an episode? Let Clark or myself know on the Facebook page, or m- email us at gettingoldpod.com. Gettingoldpod.com. That's right. My biggest thing that I want to bring up here is we are trying to grow the show, and the only way we can do that is by the listeners having a title and we cannot give you that we don't want to just give you a name and you just be assumed as that so I want to throw out a couple options and I'll put it on the Facebook group and I want you to vote on it now when I see that you've seen it and you have not voted it's a simple click it's not that hard I'll give you three options and you just click one of the options and if it's none of those options Make a little option underneath there that says new option, and we'll think of something else. But one of the ideas that I was throwing out there was the oldies, because this is getting old. So maybe the oldies. That's just a simple idea. So if you guys could maybe give us some feedback, it would be much appreciated. Yeah, and um, uh, one that we definitely won't um, entertain is we're not going to call you guys juggalos. <laughs> <laughs> oh god uh, I won't ref- I'm not going to reference anything about that because I don't want to talk about it but I will also say that the only other way we can grow up with this show is by you subscribing to us so if you go to gettingoldpod.com and if you scroll down to the bottom of the page and you put an email into the subscribe section all you have to do is check your email verify it and you are subscribed I get the notification that you're subscribed we can then take those numbers of all the subscriptions that we have to ads so we can try and place it on the website. We can try and get ads in the show. And the only way we can do that is by you guys helping us. So please subscribe to the show. We can get some new equipment. We can sound better. And we can try and start streaming stuff. We're thinking about doing a Twitch channel and everything like that. So, you know, here's to the future. We need your help. And not the Terminator future. A better future, a brighter future. This is getting old.